stay there. You know what? I believe that every single person on this planet can make a difference. And I believe that we all have something to offer, something that's so unique that it will change somebody else's life. I believe we all deserve to step into our true selves. And I believe that every single person needs to feel great about themselves. I want you to step into who you truly are and I want you to make a difference for somebody else and for yourself. And I don't think it's that hard. It's a matter of putting one step in front of the other and just taking action. And I'm interviewing guests that have done just that. I'm Karen Vaughan. This is the Get Off The Bench podcast. And here is where you can make that decision to make your life count. It all starts with you saying yes. Hey guys, and welcome back to another week of the Get Off The Bench podcast. Now this week I've got a boxer, a female boxer, and you know, that conjures up stuff in your mind. It's like, oh my God, you know, why would you get punched in the face? And, you know, fighting, fighting conjures up this sort of um, aggression, wanting to hurt people. Well, it, could, it couldn't be further from the truth. And it's, it's so fascinating. Tiffany Cook is my guest and she talks about uh, stepping into the ring and, and it was whole series of synchronicity I guess you know and how she ended up in the ring and the difference that it's made to her life and how it's um, given her opportunities to reflect and become self-aware and to say who am I who is under this and you know what lessons am I learning she also talks about the ripple effect of building a new persona you're going to love this Tiffany Cook is a boxer trainer epigenetics coach and host of the podcast Roll with the Punches and she uncovered her childhood trauma when she stepped into the boxing ring at 29. Prior to that, was shoving it down. And uh, I, I tell you what, you are going to love this. So uh, let's get straight into it. Welcome, Tiff. Hello, Karen. How are you? I am fantastic. You're the first um, boxer that I've ever had on my podcast. Oh, well, this is exciting. Do you want to go a few rounds? No. <laughs> About time you got got off that bench, isn't it, Karen? <laughs> Get out of my corner and give it a swing. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I haven't been punching lately. I used to when I was younger, when, when I was in the band, you know, and people would come up and spill beer all over <laughs> my foot pedals and I'd be like, by Jesus, and I'd jump down and punch them in the face. And for anybody listening who's shocked by that, that's actually the truth. <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe I second guess that, or maybe I won't invite you to get off the bench and do a few rounds with me. You might just come out on top. <laughs> yeah, I'm a tough little nugget, I can tell you. But uh, I try not to punch anybody anymore. <laughs> I've got to tell you though, um, you know, dog dog abusers, you know, and the dog fighters, and that by Jesus, give me a round with them, and I I tell you, I'd find some lion strength that I didn't even know I had. But. Oh, I love it. It's my, it was my dog's birthday yesterday. I've got a little whippet, Coach the Whippet. Yeah? What's its name? Him, Coach. Her? Coach. Her. It's a she. Sounds like a boy, though, with a name like Coach, but I always wanted, I was like, I'm going to get a whippet, and I'm going to call her Coach. I love whippets. I had a friend with a whippet and every time I'd go around there, he used to jump on my back and not, don't, don't, this is not a sexual thing. He was not trying to hump me, but he would use, he would constantly bite my neck and give me love bites on my neck the whole time. <laughs> he was obsessed with me. Oh, <laughs> they are the best. They are the best. Probably not, you know, for a boxer, probably not the typical dog breed that you would think that a boxer would be walking around with, but hey. Yeah. But doesn't matter. No. You know what? Doesn't matter. I just and I, and dogs are our best mates. They oh. they truly are. So so yes. Give me a dog abuser. Um, give me a boxing ring, and I reckon I might just bloody win. But, I love it. I love it. <laughs> so so speaking of boxing, I mean, you know, I'm fascinated by this because really, like, as much as I laugh about my past and as much as I laugh about, you know, you know taking out an asshole, um, the, the, the whole point about being in a ring and getting punched in the face, it's not, it's not, it's not really, most people don't go, you know what, I truly want to be punched in the face like that. Let, let's go for it. But I want to get to that in a minute. I want, to, I want to see how the hell you got there. So right now you're, you know, you're a boxer, a trainer, epigenetics coach, which I want to also talk about. You're the host of the podcast, Roll With The Punches. You know, so there's a lot of good stuff going on for you. And, um, you know, you really found your feet and you're really cracking away with it. It's fantastic. You've gotten off the bench, essentially. But prior to that, um, 
that, it didn't start there. So, so give us some background about what you were doing first and how you, how you got into this game. Oh, it definitely didn't start there. And it's funny because when I hear people kind of starting to summarise, I realise how many chapters and how many times I've gotten off the bench. Yeah. And like, I think, I feel like when we're in this space, it's almost, we think it's a one-time thing, like get off the bench and that's it. But once you get off the bench, you're on a new bench. And sometimes you've got to get off that bench again. And that's kind of what happened to me. So I I was working in the print industry for the majority of my my working life. I grew up in Tassie. So I was a Tassie girl. And I I think I was maybe nine, I would say 19 when I moved to Melbourne. It's 38 now. So we've racked up nearly 20 years, which has flown. And at 29... I went to a talk on resilience and it was held upstairs above a boxing gym at a personal train at the personal training academy headquarters. And after that, I went downstairs and we had a look at this boxing gym and there was a poster on the wall that said 12 weeks, zero to hero, executive fight club, dudes in suits, boxing gloves. And I looked at that and I was like, can chicks do that? Like, <laughs> I, that was my entry level. I remember before that, going to the local PCYC with my flailing pink Everlast pale pink gloves flailing around and thinking deep down, if I just hit the bag, the, the trainer will come over and like I'm just yearning for them to say, hey, you should fight. I thought if I just, someone, if I've got what it takes, then someone will tell me, because they'll know I won't, like you don't just do things, someone will tell me and then I'll have permission to maybe learn how to fight. But I never in the world would have, actually raised that as a thing so that poster was like a little like sneaking through the back door I was like oh you can be shit and do it anyway like I don't have to be good to do this this is for people that work in offices and that's me so I did this 12-week challenge and as you can imagine I told everyone because I was it was a real I think for me it was a real I liked to do things to, to show that I was different. I like to do things to, to match this persona that I'd built that I didn't realise was a persona and we'll get to that. But so for me, it was just another, oh, Tiff's, Tiff's going to be a fighter. Tiff's doing this. So I told everyone, come watch this thing. You're going to buy a ticket. <laughs> 250 bucks, you got to come but watch me do this fight. I'll be a professional fighter. It's going to be on Foxtel. It was huge. And I remember getting a couple of weeks into training and Karen, we had to start doing that, learning the defense. So where you block a punch, you could put gloves on your head and you, you know, so we're standing in front of our partner and we're not throwing punches. We just, you know, we're just mimicking the moves to learn the, the movements. And I remember this knot in my throat and not, not having the ability to keep my eyes open or keep my, like I just, and it wasn't even a punch yet. And I just, the feeling of discomfort and fear and, and I just thought, I've told hundreds of people, like I've told everyone, there's no way out of this and now I can't even keep my eyes open. Like what am I going to do? And that really set the tone for that 12 weeks. Mm. That set the tone of just doing stuff that I felt completely out of depth with, going in every day, training, getting punched in the face, knowing I was the worst in the gym, feeling hideous, but doing it anyway. And... I remember the day before the fight, I had to pick mum up from the airport. I'd have one hour sleep because I had a panic attack. Well, not a, a literal panic attack, but I got anxiety the night before and I'd never felt anything like that in my life. And I, I didn't, I was just wide saucer eyes all night staring at the ceiling going, this is kind of important that I sleep tonight. <laughs> and I got to sleep at about 6am and then I had to get up at 7 to go pick my mum up from the airport. And she had to deal with my inability to communicate all day because I was in this heightened state of arousal and awareness and and anxiety. And I remember saying, I will never, ever, ever do anything like this again because nothing is worth the way that I have felt in this 24-hour period, nothing. There is nothing in my imagination that could ever be worth that. And I remember after the fight was 10 times that feeling on the flip side. I was like, when are we doing this again? You know, and it was, and it, that, like that moment and that story and that experience was just the basis of so many massive pivotal changes to me. Some that I realized and some that I didn't, some Mm -hmm. that just, just filtered out into life and changed me while I was busy focusing on this fun little thing and focusing on the things that I did see 
but also all of the other stuff, you know, behind the scenes, just incredible. And so I, you know, so I continued on with that, did a few fights, did the, did the, so they were corporate fights and I did three of those. And then I fought in the amateurs and I won for my, for my first amateur fight, terrified, as you can imagine, because now I'm going into the real arena and the people I'm 20 or by that stage, I was 30 maybe even 31, and I'm fighting young girls, young girls that have been fighting in boxing gyms, not corporate boxing gyms and fun things. Like they've been training to fight and their footwork was impeccable. I remember watching them, their footwork was impeccable and their speed was impeccable. And I was just like, oh, my goodness, these people are real fighters. This is I can't do this. And yet my first fighter won the novice uh, Victorian title and, you know, it just – crazy crazy to me but what an amazing mind shifting moment yeah and it's and it, it really the only antidote to fear is action and you, you know you and you proved that you know by I'm bloody terrifying what am I doing here you know I have so much self-doubt but the fact that you took action it, it, it and I say this to people you know when you're shitting your pants take action because yes. You know, you, you, so what? You might not, it might not work and you might end up exactly where you were, but what if it does work, which it usually does, yep. and, and then you're kind of like you've got this thing that happens and, and when you were talking about, you know, while you're focusing, all that other stuff was happening in the background, you, you know, this is, this is the ripple effect of, you know, you, you also talked about changing your persona and when we build this identity, you know, that we're so focused on what we want to do and not focused on what we don't want to do, you know, the ripple effect that goes out, you know, and starts to impact everything about building our persona, building our identity, do, you know, it it all happens like that. And it, it, it comes down to that one simple that one simple decision to take action, Did, yes. you know, it, no matter how much it scares you. I freaking love that. I love that story. And one thing I actually I want to ask on, ask of you, you said in there, maybe they'll come over and they'll see me in my pink Everlast gloves and they'll say, you can fight. Now, when people think about fight, you know, and we all do because we've been brought up watching TV ringside and all that sort of rubbish, you know, but and when we think about fight, the word fight conjures up in our head, I want to hurt somebody. Do you know? I, I want to fight to hurt somebody. But from where you're coming from, that's not where you. That's not what you're thinking. You know. You, tell us what what fight means to you for your inner strength and all that kind of stuff. Oh, I like that. I've never been asked that, and that's interesting. And it was a really interesting process because when I stepped into the fighting and into the fight, there was. It definitely wasn't. Uh, aggression driven and I remember at times through the process thinking like I'm a Taurus I'm a Taurus and so I've got a temper when I need one and or stubborn even when I don't and I'm stubborn <laughs> and sometimes you know when you get so pissed at something and you're wild and you're angry and you think I am so powerful right now that I could throw a house across the road like you feel so strong and I remember at times thinking if I could get this angry in the boxing ring, I would flatten somebody with one punch. Like that's how strong you feel when you've got that anger. But inside that boxing ring, inside that space, there was a completely different thing going on with me. And I've unpacked that a lot as the journey went on and as I discovered myself. But it was, there was no access to anger or emotion or it was, it was there was a whole other thing going on. And when we talk about that building of a persona, Look, I encourage everyone to do two things. One thing is find find something that you can want to, that makes you want to step out of the comfort zone. Something that terrifies you, that you ha that you're willing to. You've got to find that thing because because that boxing thing is it was a blessing to me because in my life the amount of times where I've come up against a feeling or a thing or an experience and I've gone back to that metaphor I call it my metaphor the metaphor of the boxing ring I go that's just the same here that's this is I remember starting an improv class late last year and I did it I did it while we're in lockdown we did this online improv and because I had a guest on my show talking about improv I never knew what that was I was like what that is? Pret make believe 
And <laughs> I went to the first session with a bunch of friends and I had a ball. Like we laughed. I was like, this is really fun. And I see some value in this for me. I see some metaphoric value underneath what we're actually doing for me personally. So I'm going to do this. So I go and book a class and then I go, I think I did another online one first before I went in because we were still in lockdown, of course. Yay for us. <laughs> I remember going to the first class and I was by myself. And I wasn't in the most vibrant mood when I had to go. And so I felt, it felt completely uncomfortable. And I was like, what am I doing this for? I don't want to do this, blah, blah, blah. And I had to sit myself in the, in the corner and have the little chat to myself again of like, what was the purpose of this? Of course, it's going to feel like this at the start. What did boxing feel like most of the times? Most of the training sessions, most of the, of the sparring sessions felt like this. You don't, I think when we look at people doing epic things and we and we want to replicate that we misinterpret this whole motivation piece we misinterpret the action that they take with a good feeling all the time of like oh like we're just going for ice cream like every time i had to go let go home from work and then get in my car and drive down to the boxing gym i was tired i didn't want to go i was hungry I was probably, you know, probably off the back of some bad training sessions where I wasn't feeling amazing. And, like, that was – these were the reminders for me. Yep. Gone way off track from where I started with that little rant, didn't I? No, um, but it's relevant. It's – Yeah. And I think – so the first thing I realised when I, when I got in that boxing ring after a while was this persona. I talked about this persona. And it was the first time I feel like I met myself in the ring. I mm. found this place – and I don't know how many places, I think you've really got to push yourself to the edge, the very, very, very edge of your comfort zone in an activity that requires a fight or flight response to actually get past, like I had this great rationalization of everything. I had the answers, I was independent, I was strong, this is the way it is, I can do anything. I, you know, like I, and I believed that. I believed that the whole, my whole life, 29 years, totally believed that. And then inside that boxing ring, something happens and, and a, a behaviour comes out and a feeling comes out and then you get to watch that and go, all right, there's no deciding or writing the script for that. Like that just happens. And then you see who you are and... I found out pretty quickly and then I started asking big questions like, well, hang on, why aren't I scared in here? Why aren't I scared of a punch in the face? What does scare me? And those were the questions that started to really unsettle me. And I guess boxing also being such a physical sport in the beginning, I mean, it starts to shift emotions. Emotions, emotions sit in our body. Mm. And I had a childhood and an upbringing where I had stuffed down so hard, so far for so long that it, because I thought if I just, if I just almost, I almost feel like I took, took my memories and put them in such a deep, dark corner that they kind of didn't exist. And I knew they did, but they also didn't because I'd wiped them away. And, but with that, uh, you start to wipe your, your emotional regular, like I, I didn't have emotions in the ring and that's why I didn't get angry in the ring. Mm. That's why I didn't feel in the moment when I was in a state of fight or flight and that happens in other environments, but it was interesting and I didn't notice until a trainer once said to me, I said to him, we were doing some drill and it was really hard and it was really intense. And I was like, I, I am buggered. And he goes, real, like genuinely he says, really? You don't even look like you're trying. And I was thinking about that afterwards and I was like, you can see nothing on my face. I have poker face. People can't see what is happening with me. And also because I don't even respond, because the motion, because I shut down the emotion. And if you shut down the emotion, well, no one can see it, can they? Because it's not actually not there. And then I was realizing in other parts of my life that happens. You have an emotional reaction to something three days afterwards because it wasn't safe. It's not safe to feel emotions in the moment. Mm. And then I after a period of time and I feel like boxing being such a physical sport too, you're starting to shift those. You shift physiology changes and and all of the things. Um, so, yeah, it, a huge few years of going, all right, we've, we've got to dig out. And for me that, that was childhood sexual abuse. 
and I found myself going for, for walks and thinking of running into this person. And I was like, it's odd that this 30, you know, like at, at 30 years old, this, why is this in my head? Which made me kind of go and Google, Dr. Google it. Hey, this happened as a kid. What a, and then I started aligning these traits that I was seeing about myself, you know, this independence, this strength, this avoidance, avoidant uh, personality type that I had. And I started seeing the alliance of what people say, people that experience this in childhood and what can happen in adulthood. And I was like, all right, I'll get some work, some work to do. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's, there's so much in what you said. Um, I, I want to I'd want to talk about that emotional stuff because I just I've just been through a, a journey myself. But that one thing you said um, is that you got in the ring and you start questioning things. And I think I strongly believe that the only way to have personal growth, well, apart from being scun like a rabbit, you know, like and I, I don't mean that in a nasty way, but you know, like something just happens that you just mm. is just completely ripped you apart. But I think that if we don't stop and reflect and have enough self-awareness to stop and reflect, we can't grow, you know, so, and a lot of people don't, they just keep pushing through and pushing through and pushing through. And and for me, I've like, I've been like you and no, hardly anyone believe this, but I'm, I am the level four introvert. So I'm the, the most extreme introvert. No one will believe it because I've been on stage since I was 15 and I've got all the, I've got all the magical switches, you know, to put, to turn on and, and everything else. But I was the same as you, and I only just learnt this. I didn't even know this, but I was pushing it, all my emotions down. It, except, unlike you, I was showing emotions, but I'm not. Same with you, not in the moment. You know, pushing them down and then and then expressing it in an incorrect way. And since I've been an adult, like since I've been maybe I don't know, maybe in the last 20, 20 years, you know, I've been expressing well, but. COVID has come along and, and all these other triggers like the bushfires and stuff that I've talked about many times on my podcast, um, so many things. It's triggered off a whole series of stuff that's happened. I, I, I say I had a great childhood, you know, and, and nobody, nobody harmed me, but the way I've interpreted certain things has put these emotional triggers, emotional markers all through yes. my life. And so now that, and everything was going great, I felt strong, I felt seen, I felt heard, I felt valued, I felt all those great things. But in the last four years, you know, everything's, so many things have gone on. All these triggers have come back. Up and, I, and I hadn't recognised it, but all I could say was I felt like, I felt like shit, you know. So I did this um, emotional timeline thing and, and I could see clearly where all these markers were. And, and, and now I'm now, that was only last week. So now I'm kind of like, okay, so where, where am I going from here? What am I going to do? You know, it's a fascinating story. And, and epigenetics, I want I want you to talk about that. Actually, you talk about it first, and then I'm going to tell you my my story on it because and and I have shared this before, but we'll share it while we're talking. But I I find epigenetics something I never knew about, and once I heard about it, it my mind was blown because it unlocked something for me that changed my world and I can't help but feel sadness for, for so many people out there who are locked in an epigenetic pattern and they will never, ever know it unless it comes up. So tell us about epigenetics. Tell us what you do because that, that stuff, it fascinates me. Yeah, so I come across, I come across the ph360 epigenetics platform in 2020 when we're in lockdown and i i had the founder one of the founders on my podcast and immediately did the course because when he spoke about everything that that they can tell us and that we can know about ourselves when we know our epigenetic profile i was like no way like the first thing was it was like well this makes perfect sense and then I kind of went, why has the world taken this long to, like, we've been saying everyone's different for all of this time. Yep. And we've got the most, most amazing science in the world. It almost sound, feels ridiculous that, that this hasn't been at our fingertips earlier. It's so basic and simple. Yep. But um, so I did the course and I've become a coach. And even just the discovery, like you felt, of learning my profile and, and resonating with, oh, like you, all of a sudden you have permission to be you. You have permission. 
my my because it's not just it's not just your body and your the way you should eat and the way you should it comes down to the way you should socialize the way that you interact the way that you express and I really you know I was comparing myself to other people at times in business and chastising myself because I should be more like them and I'm an activator so testosterone and adrenaline driven which really comes out not only in the way that I train and the way that I go at life but you know my behaviors and the way that I'll speak and the way that I'll take action and you know I use it I use it a lot I mean as soon as you know that and you become really familiar with the traits you know it it comes into every conversation all of us you know you can communicate with people better you can understand I can look at people and from visually seeing how they look and then also getting a sense of what's important to them and, and how they speak you soon and how they live it's, it's not hard to to start pinpointing a little bit of oh I think this way and then you can communicate better right because you understand that I don't need to talk to them like like me I need to talk to them like like them like my, I'm presenting this information and they need that information it is yeah it is incredible I actually did a podcast with two of the both so Cam McDonald's one of the the PH360 guys and he's got a lady called Ann Larson and she is also a trauma therapist and I talk a lot about trauma on my podcast so I I had this question because when I first so when I first started or just before I started podcasting I was working with Ambulance Victoria paramedics training them online while we were in lockdown and I really connected with the idea of paramedics deeply because of my boxing ring experience so I had this realization that I connected with the boxing ring on all of these subconscious levels and when I stepped into the boxing ring it felt like home why because it was a place of kind of danger I was standing in front of an opponent it put me in a state of like heightened awareness and that felt familiar that felt like home and I went okay so something seemingly negative has brought me into this this space to do this thing I've been drawn in here there's but there's behaviors there's reasons and I questioned why are paramedics drawn in so paramedics have four times the suicide rate of other first responders and I so my question was and I and I did a podcast on this is it the epigenetic makeup of someone who is there a particular epigenetic type that goes into that caring role? And then what is it that role that causes this knock-on effect that they're susceptible to? Or is it a trauma response that carries them into this experience? And then that, like, so I just find that fascinating. Mm-hmm. You know, we have our biology, we have trauma, our personal trauma, we have epigenetic trauma. And I'm just fascinated by that whole space. Mm. And there's so many, I don't know, like answers and questions, more, more questions than answers, definitely. I'm fascinated too, and I, and I have the same um, feeling as you, is if this is out there, why, why are we not, buddy, accessing this kind of stuff? And, and, and all alternative healing, I don't care. You know, I, I, we've become so, um, you know, many, many centuries ago, that was all they used, you know, that was their, that was their go-to, you know, and even the pyramids, you know, they say that they, they were built with, um, and I believe this, you know, with there's holes in the roof and they say that they put um, prisms in there and they used to use light healing, you know, for, with prisms um, up in the, as the sun came through, shone on a prison, they would do color healing, you know, and that sort of stuff. And, you know, we make up this story about the, the, the um, pyramids. I, it was for burying mummies and, and, and shit like that. And we don't know, do you know, but there's so many other stories. That, and, and I think that we've lost, I, this is my opinion and other people might not share it. And I do think we need the medical profession. Don't get me wrong. You know, and I've used them, you know, to save my life, but um I think that we're not we're, we're we're a holistic being, you know, and we're made of energy, and we're made of all these little things, and it's not just biology, you know. There's this all, all the energy and all the frequencies and the vibrations that go around us, and everything that we're carrying down. What what one person, our perceptions, our interpretations, like this is a, it's a massive, big holistic thing, and and we're very quick to dismiss. Not all of us, but some very quick to dismiss any of this alternative stuff that actually makes up part of the jigsaw and we should be embracing all of it, you know, and and just saying, well, what is it in this moment that my body or my mind or my soul or, you know, my energy 
is looking for because mm. the medical stuff it doesn't seem to be going anywhere i don't seem to be getting answers so so what else am i looking for what's my heart looking for what's my soul looking for what's my energy looking for and i just find this fascinating you're talking about epigenetics slightly different to how i'm thinking about it but it's still the same it's carrying that energy and it's you know it's it's how it presents in us and everything else but with um for me you know i was like having all this uh, trouble with my value and I couldn't understand it because I believed I was valuable and I believed I brought value didn't, and I knew I did and I couldn't figure this bloody conflict. And I ended up seeing this um, kinesiologist, hypnotherapist, epigenetic person in, in, in America and she's just bloody wonderful. She said to me, so what are you, what's the first thing you're thinking of? She's I mean, a bit hypnotizer and I'm like, because it was about money and value and I'm like, oh, I'm thinking about my mum's sister and I said I must be so off track I can't it's not even relevant she, keep going she said keep going and as it turns out I mean long story short my mum had a little sister who died from a heart um, hole in her heart and she was mum went off to work in the city and when she came back one weekend she came back every weekend to bringing Margaret back a little toy one weekend she come back and she wasn't there and her mother said she said where's where's Margaret she said she's dead she doesn't exist you know it was that kind of thing and and she said well what about a funeral you're not going to the funeral you're not old enough and so mum when she was like 17 18 developed this absolute belief um i i don't bring any valuable value to the conversation no now she's gone and had me four years later and i've carried this freaking energetic belief all through my goddamn life that i believe that other people believe I don't bring value to the table. And yet that was conflicting with me because I, I'm, I, I do bring value. So why am I why am I caught in this? And I could never in a million years without help, I could never have ever have joined those dots. Do you, you know, it's amazing. A hundred percent. Thank you for sharing that. I think the same. I think I find that until we speak, until we speak to people and and hear ourselves speak what we what i think i believe that it comes out different your body tells you when you say it right so i can say it in my head and my body won't respond we can like i i think i i think money is such a telltale of of our self-worth because it's direct it's directly it's our value and i'm always intrigued by that how do i how hard it is is it to me, for me to make money and why do I make it so hard? And, you know, in my recent, like I had a I had an author on that has so it became a therapy session and then I had him back on, that, so I did a live therapy session. And then I said to this guy, I want you to be my therapist because he was amazing, right? And then I went into that and the first thing I said to him in our therapy session was, I'm coming into this pretending it's a podcast because I act like the metaphor of the boxing ring. I access a level of communicating and openness that I don't want to lose. Yeah. And it's been amazing. But when somebody like that asks, you know, I never realized the shame that I was lugging around with me all the time until you have these conversations. And like, so it's, it's funny. We try, we process things cognitively. Like I'm a cognitive ninja. Like I've, (laughs) I've, you know, like I've got the answers to everything. Like yep. there's answers there and there's certainty and I've justified them and they make sense and I feel good. They make me feel good. So my brain's ready to tell any story that makes my body feel good, but it's not the truth because sometimes you drop your guard, you have a conversation, someone asks a question and you go, what is that heavy, thick, disca- oh my God, I feel shame. Where is that and what is that about? And yeah, it's big and it, yeah, it's in our bodies. And it's, you know, I, I, I spent a lot of years as well saying I had an amazing childhood, had a great child, loved my parents, they're wonderful. And I knew this thing had happened, but when I started to kind of dig into it and look at it, I was like, I was five, maybe six when that started. And I look at my personality type and avoidant personality types, this, this, I was like, this doesn't make sense. All of that, the fundamentals of your personality type and your attachment style happen way younger, way younger. So I knew that the problem wasn't the abuse. The abuse was a side effect. 
that had happened because I'd been in this environment and, and that was just a byproduct of that. And I was like, okay, well, this is a product of the before years, okay? So I'm, I was missing things. And my brother, seven years older, grew up in the same environment, but he was so much older when, when so, you know, we, we moved into a shop when I was three years old. This Christmas, my mum come over here for holiday and she was talking about that and she said, you know, I found out this year that my brother had said, I hate this, I hate living here. Um, it's all right for me. I just wish Tiff would get a fair go because I was so young and it was a seven-day-a-week shop that we lived in and, you know, there was a, a lack of attention. And then mum telling me how much she used to, like she'd yearned for this little baby girl and she used to get me out of bed and take her to her bed and we'd cuddle in the mornings and then they bought the shop and that didn't happen because she had to get up and go to work. Mm. So when I have, when I think of my childhood, A, I think of an only child. I don't feel like I have a brother because he was seven years older. But I also, my memories are of a, of a dark, empty house. Like there's no one there. I don't, re- I don't, I cannot recall an actual memory of a warm hug or an open conversation. We didn't talk about feelings. We're not, we're not that kind of family. Not, not a bad family, just people that, parents that also didn't have that upbringing that cultivated that. So it was hard. And it was like, I always kind of knew I was going to, that I struggled in relationships, but then I'd look at my parents and go, they've been divorced a long time and they've got a great relationship together, but they're still single. And I'm like, this is not going to be easy for me to, to get to the bottom of. There's a lot here that's not just, oh, I was, I was abused. Yep. There's, there's that, but that's layered on something way more complex. Yeah. Stay tuned. I'm still working that out. But but I think that's the key, isn't it? That you're still working it out. And I, I think that this is the difference, you know, where we're, I don't think we ever work it out. Like I honestly think that life's a journey and we're always uncovering stuff and we're always, you know, improving little. Ch- I always say my, my whole, my whole mantra is just chipping away, chipping away. <laughs> you know, because it's like, because but I think the key is in whether you keep questioning, you know, and whether you keep growing. And it's not questioning to say, I'm shit, I'm not good enough, what's wrong with me? I don't mean that kind of questioning. But the questioning about what could that mean? How could that relate? How could I, how could I become, and I don't mean a better person. I'm going to say a better person, but I'm not meaning like a better, like more successful person. But how, how, can, I, how can I feel better? How can I be... A, how can I be more calm? How can I be more content? How can I be more at peace with myself? You know, how can I understand who I am better so that I can move through life a little more seamlessly, you know, without without so much conflict? And I think that's the aim of every person is to be happy yes. and be peaceful so that I think if we kind of trying to chip away at some of the pains, uh, some of the conflict, just keep chipping it out and chipping it out. And we can never just go, oh, I've been to see one therapist. That was fantastic. Now my whole life solved because that doesn't bloody happen. But Mm. the point is that some of us start the process and some of us don't. And I think that it's painful to start the process and to say, I thought my childhood was great and maybe maybe it wasn't. You know, I'm carrying all the shame, as you say. And one thing that I noticed when through all this um, emotional timeline that I did is that there is it is fucking plagued with guilt, and, and and I wasn't the guilty person. I just took on the guilt because I believed that might have been my fault. You know, that might have been my fault. Oh, I should have done better. I could have done better. You know, why didn't I do? Why didn't I do this instead? So that this this guilt pattern has been going the whole bloody time. And now that I'm aware of it, and see, when we're not bad people, we just don't know these things. You know, yeah. and now that I've seen this guilt pattern, I'm like, wow. Now I see it. I can do something with it. But until we see it, until we start asking those questions like you're talking about, you know, like, why is this? What's that? You know, and trying to join dots until it comes to the surface and it actually comes out of our mouth. Like you said before, I think that's such an important thing. We have to say things out loud. We have to or or it never, ever becomes reality. And I think that you start to say, whoa, I never saw this before. Okay, I have the courage I have the courage to to address it or to question it or to look at it and then suddenly you go well for me I've gone fuck that I'm not carrying that 
I'm not, and I'm not carrying that. That was not my fault. I'm not bloody carrying that. And so I'm chipping back through this timeline going, wait a second. No, there's no fucking way I'm taking that. That wasn't, that's not my guilt. And, and as I'm doing this, it's opening up other questions and other questions and other questions, but it's, it's, you can't address it until it's on the table. And, and yes. I, I feel so sad when I see other people who are completely in a suppressive state, you know, that, that or, or repressed state, you know, I'm not, I'm not dealing with that. I'm perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with me. Don't ask me that, you know, you know, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah. And every time people say I'm fine, that, that's an obvious indicator that uh, this is this is a tablecloth that's sitting over the table that it's got all the cards under the tablecloth, but we're just not prepared to take it off and have a look. I'm with you. I find this stuff mind-blowingly fascinating. And I yeah. my mission in life is to unlock the magnificence in in any every person I can. And that includes me. That, that includes that. I'm part of this equation and, and I, I think that every single person is born perfectly, absolutely perfect and magnificent. Now, I've got this theory, you're going to love this, is that we, we're born with this beautiful diamond here in our throat. You know, I'm just pointing to my throat chakra and in between my throat and heart chakra, they're just, just under my sternum for anybody who's not watching, you know, just above your heart. It's kind of like this big diamond and I think that it's absolutely perfectly beautiful. And then we get told, you know, it's kind of like it's it's amplified. This this time is glowing. Oh, she's talking. Say mummy, say daddy. Oh, she's walking. You know, we get all these praise, you know, and, and every, all the every all the relatives gather around the cot. Look at the new baby. Everyone wants to cuddle you. Our diamonds glowing like goddamn, you know, we think we're the bloody the, the queen's jewels, do you know? And then suddenly it's kind of like we start to walk. And they, we, we touch the TV, smack on the hand, don't touch, don't touch, uh, uh, you know, stop, wait, uh, you know. And then we've got this whole world of uh, 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 no, 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 sit down. So we've been praised for standing up and now we're getting told, sit down, sit down. you know, don't talk, don't speak. And then we get to school and it's like, no, it's not your turn, be quiet, you, you know. And, 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 and then the kinder kid says, my mum says, I don't, my dad, my mum doesn't like your mum, you know, and my mum said not that, and, and all this sort of shit, we don't want to play with you today. We all, we all experience it. We can pretend we didn't, but we all do, you know. And every time we get this, it's kind of like this dirty, gunky shit, this murky shit going on the, our diamond. And eventually it becomes so covered up in muck. But we don't even know it's there anymore. And so now we're believing the story that I'm not good enough. You know, this is this, I'm, I'm not worth anything. And like, and unless we start scrubbing that diamond and recognising it and say, no, wait a second, this isn't my shit. This isn't my yeah. gunk. I didn't put this on here. And it, and it freaking takes courage. God damn, it takes courage to, yeah. oh, to do you're that. You're so right. You're so right. And I I know that for me, and I'm sure there's so many people will agree, when I first became self-aware and realised, oh, oh there, here's this and that is the answer to these things that are happening. All right, so there's a reason for it. Now, I see now why some people get a diagnosis or a realization and that becomes their anchor because you go because it, it can be a real tightrope that you walk and go oh I can't because I had this happen so now I'm like this um there was a huge period a huge period of frustration self-awareness is the best thing in the world but it's so hard because self-awareness isn't the change it's just the beginning it's just the you see that first little bit of the diamond and then you're like there's so much work and you can feel really stuck and ignorance was bliss. Ignorance was bliss because I thought I was the fucking champ before then. <laughs> I was just like, look at me. I'm going to move to Melbourne. I'm going to take over the world. I'm going to take over the world. I'm going to do a boxing fight. Look how tough I am. Look how much I can achieve. I wasn't achieving shit, but I thought I was. And then 10 years into therapy, I'm sitting in the, in the therapist chair and I burst into tears when I realized for the first time that all of this stuff, all of this bravado, everything I'd done since I left Tasmania was so that the people back there would love me, that I'd be worthy of love and I'd show them that I was special and all I'd caused was disconnection and a persona around the real me. So I'd done the opposite and I, could, I was like, how can I do that for 10 years? How can I do the opposite for 10 years and end up further from the goal? 
And it's hard because we are doing these behaviors and we're making these choices. There's a part of us doing that. And then there's another part of us telling another story. But we kind of have to own that we are, you know, like I'm really into stories. Like yeah. Yeah. what I choose what I believe and I and I and I ponder the story that I have around things and I choose so I look at science and I look at experience and I get and I and I look at all of the evidence in all different corners of the world and then I choose the story that is going to have the best effect on making me take action or making me get to the next to the next place I think it's really important how we frame things and and what meaning we give to them I do too, and I think that we. I often have this um, in a dialogue and and outer dialogue, you know, about um, are we self determined or or are we born with a blueprint, you know, that has a has a stamp on it. And it's just, yes. it's a, it's a fascination for me. Ultimately, I lean towards self determination because I've done it so many times in my life. You know, I want this, and therefore I'm changing things, and then you know I'm going to achieve this, but. Yeah. Who knows, you know, I, I don't know, but I just, I love what you're saying. And we can, we forget that we've got the power to take a pen and write our future. Like we, we actually have the power to do that, you know, and and, and yes. we, we can't control all the outer things that are going to keep bombarding us. And we, we, you know, we can't control COVID. We can't just say, well, I'm just going to write my reality that I'm just going to pretend it's not there. Do you, you know, like we can't do that sort of stuff, but we've got so much more potential and so much more power within us than, than we see we we have. And, and when you're saying, you know, um, about, you, you know, you, you're talking about unpacking you and I'm talking about unpacking me, and we're not, we're not exclusive to this world. It's not just you and me who have got this stuff. Like every single person has yes. got a whole stack of stuff behind them. And, and, and sadly what happens is that we, we use that as a, as a, a benchmarking for what we can achieve in the future, you know, but with last time I did this, this happened. And, and then they all, you know, this is a whole big combination of compounding effects. And well, I've got evidence of that happening 20 times. And when you said um, people have a diagnosis and stuff, I, I had my thyroid out five years ago and I can't sing anymore. So I'm that, I'm that person, you know, that I, I can't sing anymore, but I try to, you know, I'm, I've sort of, I tell that story because I don't want people putting me on the spot and and asking me to do a gig that I that I simply can't do. Like I'm, I I haven't got the capacity because I can only sing a song at a time. But I'm determined I will fucking sing again. Did I will bloody sing again? You know. And so if it's only I can do one song at a time, then that's what I'm going to do because I refuse to let this buddy, mm. you know, ruin me. And it's actually taken away my voice. It's taken away my expression, the fact that I'm not singing anymore. So I've gone back into this shitville because I've lost my expressive voice. But the, the thing that's interesting is I've always said, and I didn't realise this, I've said when people piss me off, I said, oh, I could just rip their fucking throat out. And, and you know, it's it's been last week, it was really brought to my attention, well... When you say shit like that, and this is really good for, you know, the listeners to listen to, when you keep repeating things that have a biological um, edge to them, you, you, you'd be prepared that that could happen. Do you, you know, because I got my throat ripped out, my entire throat, my, it gone, take it, like my whole thyroid taken out. And I used to always say, I'll rip their fucking throat out, you, you know, so... Oh, see, as soon as you said, as soon as you said that and, and mentioned singing and I was like, here's someone here that is a podcaster and a coach and a singer and you've lost that and that, that representing the ability to speak. Yeah. I was like, oh, there is like, what is the story in yeah. there? Like, what do we need to learn from that? Yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? And, and I was, you know, I was um, singing for 50, uh, 40, 40, 40 years, you know, or more and, and it's, Gone, but 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 the good thing is, and this is not, I'm not going. Oh yeah, but we'll just press that aside. I'm not doing that. At, at least I can speak. I can podcast. Yes. I can speak on stage. You know, I can I can do that. And when um, I never forget the surgeon saying to me just before the, the 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 appointment before he took it out, he said, "I have to tell you though, you you may never speak again." And I was like, "What? What about sing?" He said, "You can forget that." 
you're never going to sing again. And I actually reckon I took that on and thought, well, I'm never going to sing again, you know. And I was devastated. I was like, no, this is my life. (laughs) This is my world. Doctors infuriate me. I had an amazing man on by the name of Dr. Jeffrey Redigat. He's written a book called Cured. He studies spontaneous healing. He's a doctor of Harvard. He's a highly academic and someone busted his nut for so many years on this spontaneous healing shit that he went and studied it. He came on my podcast and we talked about all of the, you know, these these miracle healings for people. And there's two quotes that I remember him saying. And one was, we need to stop letting doctors be the expert of us it is ridiculous that we do now that's a doctor saying that and the other thing that and I think this is what I named the podcast um what is the message of this illness so he was all it was all because I was questioning like well you know what the body and the mind and how it all into sex and then you know I even asked about pets because I'm like okay well if if our bodies are like a barometer of illness and it's a message from something in our mind or a story I was like, what's happening? Like my dog's got Addison's disease. And I was like, so what am I like? Is that, am I projecting is what is the energy in this house or what is the energy in me? Because, because like attracts like, and so I've got this dog for a reason. She's been amazing for me. She was a part of my relationship healing journey. It was, I've got to learn to commit to something. I'm going to get this dog. And it was the challenge. It was, she turned six yesterday, but it was a challenge. And then she gets sick and then you go, I have to see a reflection of this. I have to own something in this experience. Is there something that I'm not looking at? Is there something that I'm missing? But doctors can infuriate me at times. I, I like, yeah, I, I think they they are taught, and it's not it's not that they're bad people. I think that they they just so often taught into this this narrow, narrow field. Yeah. Yeah. And they know it so well that the blinkers are on. The beauty of thing about what you and I do is we get to talk to polar opposites and ask their opinion about things and then we get to take on both. And I go like the more I learned doing this podcast, the less I know. That's and anyone I Yeah, anyone that comes on and says that they have the answer, the more they think they have the answer, the less I have credibility for them, trust for them because I just think there's, you're not open to, because no, none of us know, because guess what? Everything that we're taught is, was made up once. Not <laughs> made up. Like we weren't born with, I was, I'm learning Spanish. I just started learning Spanish this week. And I'm like, who even made this up and made up these rules? And when did this even start? And when it started, how come there's thousands of languages and who just decides to make a new one and, and make all the rules for it? Like I just, my mind goes down rabbit holes. I, but... I'm the same as you. <laughs> I, I, I ask all those questions too. Which, hey, which, how many races are there? How many races of people are there? And where did they start? And who started the language and why did they choose that word? And why, why would they choose that word? And I, I'm the same. I, I, a hundred percent. And I love that you're saying that we, you know, people say that they know the answer. And I think that's utter bullshit. And I think, you know, I, I do coach people and I work with people and everything else, but I don't claim that I'm the only one that has the answer. Do you know, I have this piece of the puzzle. And I think yes. that that's what we've got to be better at is, is understanding and appreciating and loving, really truly celebrating and loving that each of us has a piece of the puzzle and we should yeah. focus on that piece and we should be- make that piece better and we should offer that piece to people, you know, so that they can put that piece into their puzzle. And, you know, I think that we're, we're this amazing, beautiful interconnected web and we've all got our little bits. And, and if we were just more generous and caring and loving and we invested in the world with love, um, all these little bits start to get put together and people become whole again. You know, they start to become whole but we've we've really really instilled fear into the world you know and that we we're siloed and that we're we're apart from everybody and you don't understand me because I've got this thing that you just couldn't understand and you know I don't want to talk about my past because I'm the only one who's ever been there you've never been there you'll never understand when we change that narrative and appreciate when we when we truly love each other and truly love the energy of the world and that includes animals and the planet that includes the whole interconnectedness I think everything changes you know and I think we've got a long way to go but yeah I'm working towards that and I'm going to do at the end of the day when I go leave this planet I know that my whole my whole thing was working towards 
you know, leaving a better footprint, you know, leaving the world a little more connected. And it's such an important thing. It doesn't take much. It doesn't, it takes a bit of courage, takes a bit of vulnerability and humility, but it's worth it. It's teeny tiny things every day. Like I remember sitting when, when COVID hit, I remember walking over the park, sitting in the grass and filming a live video on Facebook, having a chat. And what grabbed me about this experience in this moment was I, now I'd worked on mindset for years. I'd worked on how I wanted my mind to think. And all of a sudden this thing happens and my mind did it automatically. Like I, I was like, wow, now that's my natural default. So what I saw and what I remember talking about was how we wake up one day and overnight the most ridiculous scenarios unfolded. There's this global pandemic. <laughs> We're locked down. My business is shut down. It was just chaos. And my mind goes, oh, this is also proof that any day, any given day, I could wake up and something absolutely unforeseen could happen in the opposite direction. Amazing. Amazing. Right? So it was like, this is actually hope. But everyone's running around seeing the fear and the uncertainty and all of the negative. And I was like, but this also means that there's a flip side to this. That's proof. This is proof that there's hope. Yep. Yep. That's amazing. Yep. What's possible on that other side of that bridge? It's just, um, ah, Tiff, I've loved this conversation. Tell us about, because we're going to run out of time. Tell us about your, tell us about your podcast because I, I just love the sound of it. Love it. Love it. Oh, well, I'm actually going to have you on it if you'll come on it because I've loved this chat as well and I'd like to talk yep. to you more. because I would love to, yeah. You're awesome. You've got great energy. But, um, yeah, so I started it in June 2020 because of the pandemic. I had two gyms. They were shut down. Uh, all I wanted out of it was to improve my communication and speaking skills by speaking to great people and hosting conversations and networking at a high level. I've now done almost, I think today's episode was 297 or 98. Wow. Yeah. So I do four episodes a week. I have learned and evolved. I'm literally a different person living in a different world. I've had the most amazing guests, people that have been through. So Jill Hicks, it's been, you know, in the London bombings. I've oh, had wow. John Demartini. I've had, you wow. know, just, yes, really special people. Every, and even just, you know, people, friends of mine that have been through, you know, courageous stuff, people sharing their stories for the first time. If it wasn't for the podcast, I never would have, I, well, I won't say never, but that was the first time. It was only a year ago when I publicly spoke about my childhood experience. Yeah. yeah. I remember that the first time of just simply mentioning it accidentally on a riffing podcast with a friend of mine where we were just bantering and, and he wheels back and asks the question. It felt like a year it took him to, to get through the question. I was like, oh. Because <laughs> it was on his podcast and he's got thousands and thousands and thousands of listeners and a huge podcast. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And I just said it. And I remember for two or three days afterwards feeling like I, I felt like I'd already, because I've been doing therapy on this for years, I felt like I'd already got it out. But I remember thinking, wow, mm. there's a weight that I didn't even know was on my shoulders. Mm. It's gone now. And that was before even wow. really opening up. Yeah, it's been so an amazing, amazing experience. I just love it. And, so, and, and the ability for, like your show, people to come along for the ride. Yeah. And you know that you're changing, you're allowing people we're not changing, I'm not changing anything, but but I'm allowing them to access things that are going to change their life. Yep. 100% I agree. And I don't, I don't want to do my podcast either like you. I don't want to be an expert. You know, I, don't, I, don't want, I just want to bring bring conversation to people where that where they start to go, oh, and have, have a second thought, you know, for growth. I, I love that. I'm absolutely going to come on your podcast. You're bloody booming. 297 shit. I think we start, I started in 220 and I've, I'm up to, I don't know, just, just cut, just tapped over a hundred. So, you know, I'm only doing it once a week, but it's, um, it's such a, I've found doing a podcast, the most amazing, it makes you show up. You know, yes. it, it's something that gets you to show up all the time. And um, the, the conversations I'm having, the people I've met, and I would say that I've got a great relationship with everyone I've had on my podcast, you know, because it's just that it's it's the sharing of the space. You know, and it's yes. you get to know great people. Now I've got to know you, Tiff. Now you're in my now network. We're mates. Yeah. Now we're mates. <laughs> we're mates. That's how fantastic. I just love it. Now I always um, end my podcast with a um, 
a get off the bench question and oh. i'm gonna i need to read this because i really wrote that no i don't know why i'm reading it what a bloody <laughs> day how many how many bloody podcasts have you've i done you've done 100 bloody podcasts yeah, you're not cross, reading anything I, I know me bloody question for christ so look anybody um who gets off the bench um is going to metaphorically get punched in the face like mm. that that's gonna happen and we talked about that earlier what's your advice to push through despite that pain because it feels painful it hurts i love this question i was driving to an event on the weekend and i and i was thinking about some of my messages and 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 this came to my mind i was a terrible boxer until the bell rung and i was in the fight and then i won No amount of preparation was ever going to make me feel ready. You're never ready. I walked into the fight feeling like a loser. I do it every time when I rock up in front of a microphone, in front of some of the biggest names in the world in what they do, and I still feel like a loser. And then I win the fight one podcast at a time, one fight at a time, one experience at a time. So you're ready now. Get off the bench. You're ready now. Yep. Wow. Oh, I love it. I love it. I got the same with me. I was, I was in a band and the, the, um, we had a female singer and they, she, she pulled out the night before a gig and, and we we're only 15. And the boys said to me, you'll have to sing. And, why, why do I have to sing? Well, you're a girl. And I'm like, Jesus, and I, mean, I can sing. And we played at a pub and, and, you know, I remember dad driving us and, you know, with all our gear and we played in this pub and, and I sang and I was, I was bloody awful, wow. awful, awful. And I was shitting my pants and, and I don't even know, they were throwing money at us. And I think oh, it wasn't, wasn't to say you're great. It was to shut up. I mean, <laughs> I was shut up. But you know, it's just, it's like what you say to yourself doesn't matter when it's coming from that that inner critic side you know like that you'll always have that there's no there's no getting good enough for that to to be left behind that's always there it's followed me wherever I go it's never going away be friends with thanks for telling me you keep me humble good you keep me working hard like you would have been amazing You'd have been the only person. You'd have been the only person think, thinking that you're terrible. It you was know? it was fucking terrible. And <laughs> but I'm telling you, I kept doing it. I kept doing it. And then that's I became it. then I became great. Did you know? And yes. and I think that's um you, you keep showing up, keep showing up, keep showing yes. up. And I, I love that. Love that advice. And it's hundred percent just keep showing up. Do the bloody thing, you know, push through the fear, take action and keep showing up. And you eventually you know, you eventually, you, you do, you make it. I love it. Now, Tiff, um, this has been the best conversation ever. This has just been fantastic. I've loved it. And it's, I love it to be so raw, so vulnerable, so real. And that's the stuff I like. I really like that stuff. And I think everyone needs to hear that. People are going to want to follow you. People are going to want to come and listen to you. And I hope they do because they're going to have to go and listen to you to listen to me. To well, exactly. Yeah. They're going to hear you on the show soon. <laughs> No, but I mean, they're going to have to come to your podcast to listen to me talk on your podcast. But this is fantastic. I want people to follow you. I want people to go and check out what you're doing. So where can they find you? They can find me in all the usual places. Uh, Roll With The Punches podcast has an Instagram and a Facebook page or Tiffany Cook, Tiffany with a double E, so I'm not like the jewellery, but I am just as precious. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and rollwiththepunches.com.au, you'll find it all there. Fantastic. And Tiffany Cook is T-I-F-F-A-N-E-E-AndCo.com.au. But I'll put all those links in the show notes and I, I want people to go and check out because, uh, you know, there, there are people who can be like, oh, yeah, I'm the best. This is what I do. And then there's other people say, you know what, I, I'm doing my best. I'm making a difference. Sometimes I struggle too, but but I'm doing my best and it's changing the world. And that's that's so special so that's you tiff that really is i love it thank you so much i've really i've really loved this chat so thank you so much yeah me too thank you well i look forward to being on your podcast and i look forward to staying in touch thank you so much boom (laughs) see ya bye oh guys that was fantastic i absolutely love these conversations that dig right into why we behave the way we do and and by the way we don't have all the answers no one has all the answers i just love this putting things together i love what tiff's doing i love how she's talking about you know the synchronicity of of how this her boxing thing unfolded and how it's had all these flow-on effects in into other areas of life and, and how it's kind of been a healing 
uh, part of the healing for something that happened in the past. And it, it's just when you hear these conversations, you really, really start to think, what's going on in my life and, and how can I make it better? And as I said, not better like being an expert, but how can I make it better so that I'm, I'm happier, more content, more at peace, and I've got less conflict and I start to understand the things that have happened and I can unpack them a little more. And I just love what she's doing. I love her podcast. I love that she's had some amazing guests. Please go follow her because I reckon the conversations that she's having over there as well are going to be absolutely fantastic in unlocking um, why people do what they do. And I also loved her thing about, you know, you're going to shit your pants at at the start, which you are. You know, most people have to push through fear and take action to get something started. So be prepared for that. But you know what? There is so much magic on the other side of possibility so i really hope you love that obviously links are in the show notes please go follow tiff and i just hope you i hope you've loved it like i did what a great conversation anyway thank you so much for joining me again and i'll see you next week see ya thanks for joining me as always i hope this episode inspired you If you know somebody who's taken courageous action to create something that's making a difference for other people, let me know about it. Go to my website, karenvaughan.com, tinker around there, have a bit of a look and send me a message. I can't wait to hear from you. And remember, you're worth it. Your unique talents and gifts need to be out in this world. And I'm so passionate about inspiring you to achieve that. So you've listened to this episode. Just say yes, make the decision and put one foot in front of the other. See you next week.